We've been talking about discipleship for some months now. And disciple, we started with the word disciple and noticed that word disciple simply means a beginning point. It's when we become a Christian, when we're saved. And so being a, becoming a disciple is a one-time event with lasting effects. We go back to a time in our life and we can say, I know when I got saved. I know where I was, what I was doing, or, you know, however it works. And, and we remember a time in our life we were born again, we were saved. And then that process began in us, a lifelong process called discipleship. That is becoming more like Jesus every day. As we deny self, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus, we become more like him. And so we've been looking at that purpose of discipleship for a number of weeks now. And so we close out tonight, finish out tonight, because next week we begin on Sunday morning with for such time as this, and looking at Esther and then going into other people in the Bible, uh, that they were the right person in the right place at the right time to do God's will. And so are we. And we need to be able to look for those opportunities. So on Sunday night, we're looking at how do we see the opportunities that God is leading us into, showing us that we're the right person in the right place at the right time to do his work. And we'll be looking at that in particular on Sunday night as a result of what's going on Sunday morning. But tonight we want to finish it out with, if we're going to be that disciple in that discipleship purpose rest of our life, we need to be thoroughly equipped. God has us to do something, and we need to be equipped to do it. Anytime we take a job, uh, whatever it may be, we are trained in it. We are educated in it. We know how to do that job, and somebody may teach us some things, or we may take classes, or we may get some literature, or whatever it is we need to learn how to do whatever it is we're going to do to be thoroughly equipped for that job. Well, same thing as a disciple. We need to be thoroughly equipped to do God's work. And so we look at tonight uh, how is that made up uh, his word, uh, the Bible. Uh, scripture, uh, God's Word, uh, what do we do with it? It shows us how to become thoroughly equipped by what's contained in here. It's our instruction, it's our discipling, it's our uh, showing us what we need to do. And so in Second Timothy chapter 3, we only have two verses, but Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, all Scripture, not just some, not just most, not just a lot of it, not certain ones, but all scriptures God breathed. And so as we look into that terminology, we understand that it's useful then, as God breathed it, uh, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So all scripture, God, whatever God said or God put out there to be written down, is all for certain things we're going to look at. So to be God breathed simply means this. The words of that are written, the words of God's word, the Bible, uh, scripture, comes from God, of course, and it's given to men because somebody wrote it down, uh, anywhere from Noah to uh, Moses, I, I mean, not Noah, but Moses and uh, Paul and Timothy. Now I got too confused tonight. And uh, uh, Paul, Timothy, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and Peter and all the others, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, uh, all of them were hearing from God. God's word was given to them, and they heard what God was saying breathed out by the Holy Spirit living in them. And so whatever they wrote down was without error. It was no error about what, well, God, that, that sounds pretty good, but let me rephrase that and write it a different way. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't to say, they didn't say, Isaiah didn't say, well, God, I'm not sure about that. Let's, let's leave that out. Let me, let me just uh, skip that, what you just said, and leave that out. It wasn't anything like that. Oh, God, hey, that was pretty good. Let me add something to that. 
wasn't anything like that. It's whatever God spoke, words coming from God, breathed by him, through the Holy Spirit, saying to these men, and so everything they wrote down was, was and is without error. And so whatever God said then, it still applies today. If God said something in his word that's praiseworthy, well, it's praiseworthy then, it's praiseworthy now. If God said something was sinful then, well, it's sinful now. And so whatever was spoken and written then is still true today as it was from the day it was written. So God, all scriptures God breathed, came from God, given to men, breathed out by the Holy Spirit. So everything that they wrote down is without error. So there are these four things that's useful for. God breathed it out. They wrote it down. So it's useful for what? Well, let's get two at a time. Teaching, first of all. He said God's word, all scripture is useful for teaching. What is teaching? means to be instructing somebody, just giving instructions, you know, an ABC, one, two, three kind of thing. Let me instruct you how to do this, and let me just uh, show you and teach you and, and giving knowledge. And it's, also, it's two different ways that happens. In a formal setting, such as in a classroom, when we're in school, we go into a classroom, we have a math teacher, and the math teacher is teaching us math. And so that's the formal setting. Uh, for others, it's in a Sunday school class, or it's in a training seminar, or it's coming out of some book, but it's a formal setting that instruction is being given and knowledge is being given, but also can be an informal setting. You know, we're just out on the the sidewalk somewhere and we're being taught some knowledge or we're in a, a field or a pasture or in a store, wherever we may be, and somebody's instructing us and giving us knowledge in an informal setting. It's not a group sitting around. It's not a timeline in there. It's just, hey, let me teach you something. Let me show you something. And so God does that. God says in a formal setting, such as in Sunday school or in worship or on a Wednesday night or whenever it may be, uh, or Friday night or vacation Bible school or any time there's a formal setting, a classroom set up, God says, here, I got something to instruct you with. I got something to give you some knowledge and it's here in my word. And so there's that question and answer a lot of times. There's discussion about it. And so we just walk through it and, and there's instruction going on. There's uh, knowledge taking place. But also can be an informal. Somebody just says to you one day, hey, let me share with something I read last night in God's Word. And, and we open up God's Word and we look at it and we begin to talk about it. And so just me and one other person or something like that. But it's that formal and informal setting that takes place with instruction. That's what God's Word is useful for, teaching. But it's also useful for rebuking. <clears throat> rebuking is stating we have done wrong. So every now and then, every once in a while, you come across some verses, some scripture in God's word that says to me, to you, to somebody that reads it, oh, you're talking to me, aren't you, God? You're saying what I said or did or you know didn't do or, or whatever, attitude, action, whatever it might have been. You're saying I was wrong. Hmm, okay, <laughs> I got you. But not only to just doing wrong that stating i've done wrong but it also includes evidence of my wrongdoing and so when we use the word called conviction sometimes we're convicted by the word because here's in just thinking about this here in second timothy three right across the page here from where we're reading of end of three in verse one but mark this paul said to timothy there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves so there's the rebuke stating somebody's doing wrong if i love myself more than i love other people and i read that 
I said, oh, you're talking to me, aren't you, God? And he says, yeah, I wrote it down just for you. And there's the rebuke. But then he says, not only that, but there's evidence of wrongdoing. I have evidence of you loving yourself. Because, hey, remember yesterday when you did this and you didn't consider other people around you? Remember the last week when you did that and you didn't consider other people around you? Yeah, you know, you got me, God. And so there's the conviction. And so it's something that says rebuke is not only that we've done wrong by what it says, but there's evidence there because we realize, mm, yeah, you got me. I, I know what you're talking about. So there's two things that the Bible, God's Word, Scripture is useful, profitable, or beneficial for teaching and rebuking. But there's two more things he said. <clears throat> God's Word, Scripture, all Scripture, is useful, profitable, beneficial for correcting. It is restoring us to a right place in our relationship with God. So there, God's Word, Scripture, is teaching us some things, instructing us on some things. But then maybe that rebuke comes that we've done wrong. There's evidence that we've done wrong. And now what the Word's going to do is restore us into that right relationship with God. Because every once in a while, every now and then, our relationship with God is just not as close as it was a day ago, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, some other time in our life. There's something that has happened. There's some kind of pulling apart there, some kind of strain in the relationship and we just don't feel as close to God as we did because of something going on, whatever it may be. And so then what God has to do is to teach us and rebuke us, and then he's got to correct us. He's got to restore us to the right place in relationship with him. That is, improve our character. And so there we are once again reading God's word, and God begins to speak to us and saying, okay, that's wrong, I shouldn't be doing that. You got me, yes, I'm under conviction here about what needs to be done in my life, and, and I realize that you're saying something to me right here directly. And so as a result of that, you want to restore that relationship in me. You don't want to push me away. You don't want to just put me down. You don't want to just call me a sorry, no account Christian. You just want to restore me. And so many times God has to just come like he did with David. David, as you know, did some things he shouldn't have done. And David was rebuked. David was taught, and David was also corrected. And what God did with David as David was convicted of what he had done wrong, God restored him because even in the Scripture in Psalm 51, David said to God, Restore to me the joy of your salvation because David had lost that joy. The joy of his salvation was gone because some things he was doing in his life. He didn't feel that relationship with God as close as it ought to be. It was strained. It was pulled apart. And so as God corrected him, he restored him to his right relationship with God, and it improved his character. And so it is with you and I. Sometimes that relationship isn't what it ought to be with God. God begins to restore. So he doesn't just correct us. He doesn't just rebuke us and say, here you are. Now work it out on your own. And one of these days when you get ready to come on back, God begins to restore us even then. So all Scripture is useful for, and profitable and beneficial also for training. Training is simply providing long-term guidance for proper behavior and character. So it's not just that moment that God says Scripture is pointing out something to us, not just that place and time, but it's long-term. God's in a relationship with us for the long-term. Uh, sometimes we use the word long-haul. Uh, it's not just when we got saved way back there somewhere. It wasn't for a little while, but it's the rest of our life. And as a result of that, He wants to provide long-term guidance for us 
uh, for the proper behavior and proper character. So we simply become more like him every day. So there's the, uh, those verses, all scripture, everyone, whatever you read from Genesis to Revelations, God breathed, God spoke it into existence, wrote it down. And men wrote it down for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training righteousness. And so then we have to say, well, why is he teaching me? Why is he rebuking me? Why is he correcting me? Why is he training me in righteousness? What is righteousness? How do I even know what it is? Well, first of all, righteousness is correct thinking. Do you think you've ever thought things that were incorrect? You know, you just you just look back on the day or the week or the month or the year. Or, yeah, back in, oh, I don't know, 2015, yeah, I did think something incorrect. You know, maybe 2015 or something like that. Well, maybe so. Or yesterday, yeah. <laughs> or today. And so, yeah. And so what God has to do is says, let me just teach you and get you in righteousness through the word by the correcting and the training and the teaching. And let me get you to start thinking correctly. Because sometimes we just don't think correctly. And God says, well, I want to train you in that. I want to correct you in that. I want to educate you in that. But not only that, but I also want to train you and correct you in your feelings. Sometimes our feelings, we're feeling something incorrect too, aren't we? Well, you know how I feel right now about, you know, we say something. And then God comes along and says, why do you feel that way? Does that line up with my word here? And so we have to make sure our feelings are correct. Well, that's righteousness. And then we're acting. Not only do we sometimes not think correctly, and not only do we not feel correctly sometimes, but every once in a while, we simply don't act correct, do we? You know, somebody says something about the way we acted or the way we said something, the way we did, or, you know, they were in our presence and, and here we went and did this or did that. And, well, why are we acting that way? And God comes along and says, let me correct that too. So righteousness is simply that correct thinking, that correct feeling, that correct acting that is acceptable to God. Because ever, sometimes we just don't think the way that accept, that is acceptable to God. Sometimes we don't feel the way that's acceptable to God. And sometimes we don't act in ways that's acceptable to God. And so righteousness also then is finally guidance in God's ways. God just takes his word, shows us in Scripture, Genesis, Revelation, how to be guided in God's ways through God's word. And that's righteousness. Well, it goes on then in verse 17. Let's back it up, pull it all together. Verse 16. All scriptures, God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And there's our title for the evening, as you know, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's got something for you to do. You're one of mine. You're one of my disciples. You're following me in discipleship. You're being corrected and, and taught and rebuked and trained in all things through my scriptures to become more righteous, think, feel, and act right. But I want you to do something. The end result is equipped to do his good work. So to be thoroughly equipped simply means what? Qualified and proficient. Qualified and proficient. To do work God calls us to do. Uh, either last time, I think it was last time or the time before when we went to the jail, uh, there's a man in there, and usually after we get through with the, the worship time, the Bible study time, 
we spend time and just kind of visit with them for a little bit as we're waiting for the guard to come get them and come get us. And usually what we do, walk over to the wall and you push a little button. And when you push the little button, the, it goes into the radio room and they know we're done because they'll come on the intercom and say, are you ready to go? Are you finished or whatever? Yes, we're ready. Well, in a couple of, you know, 30 seconds or less, somebody will, the door will open for us to go out. Or the guard will come in the back door for the inmates to go out. They'll come get them. One or the other is going to happen within about 30 seconds. Well, last time we went over to there and pushed it. I didn't hear anybody. Nobody said anything, nothing. So I'm just talking to some of the guys. Well, I pushed it again. Nothing happened, you know. So I go again, push it, and talk to some of the guys. Well, nothing happened. So a third time I pushed it. A few seconds go by and nothing happened. Cheryl said, have you pushed the button? I said, yeah. So she went over there and pushed it and, you know, nothing happened. Pushed again. Yeah, even beat on the door. Of course, it's, you know, you can't see in there and you can't see out. It's all boarded up. There's nothing, nobody could see us. Well, yeah, the prisoners couldn't even get out the back door. Yeah, they were hitting on the back door trying to get a guard's attention. We're... Oh, yeah, we're pushing the button, and we're hitting on the front door there, and, you know, nothing's happening. And so I guess we thought we were going to spend the night, so we're just visiting a whole lot more than we usually do. And so uh, during that time, though, I got to talk to one prisoner in particular, a young man that said he was married and had three children, and he said he's a welder. And he said uh, he lives in Mississippi, but he had come over here and was work- staying at Lake Claiborne State Park. Him and his wife had a trailer, a camper, and it had three children, and she's a homeschooler, so she was homeschooling the children. That way they can travel with Daddy and, you know, go where he goes on his welding work. And so they were at the state park, and he said, I'm a convicted felon, and so I cannot possess a firearm. I can't carry a firearm. I can't be around people that have firearms. And so he said, there we were in the state park, and we're staying there. Well, they come through the state park, and they just kind of check things out as they go through the state park. And this particular evening, they asked his wife, well, do you have a firearm with you? She said, yes, I do. And he said, where is it? And it's right there on her. And so they arrested him because he's a convicted felon, couldn't be around her because she had a firearm. And now he was in the Lincoln Parish Detention Center. And so he was talking about welding and what all he did, how he learned and went to trade school and all that sort of thing. And so I got in the conversation with him. I said, well, Cheryl has a grandson that thinks he might want to be a welder someday. He's taking welding in high school, and he's kind of thought this thing out that he may want want to be a welder. And he said, well, tell him this. He said, all the certification, all the education, all the training he goes through to learn how to do welding is great. He said, I've got certificates and all this sort of thing, licenses and all that to know how to weld. But he said, here's what's going to happen. It's going to go and apply for a job, and they're going to give him a couple of pieces of metal, and they're going to say, run a bead on this metal. And he's going to take the welder, and he's going to run a bead on that welder, and they're going to inspect it. And they're going to see if it's good, if it's holes, if it's done right. And they're going to give him some more metal, and they're going to tell him to do another bead or another way to do this metal to put it together, and they're going to check all that out. And they're going to hire him or not hire him based on how the welding looks there in front of them. It's kind of like God. God said, I want you to be qualified and proficient to do the work that I call you to do. And so he says, you can read all you want to read. You could have read through all of my word 
12 times. You could have gone to seminary. You could have gone to classes and, and gotten training and, and read all these extra books and done all, a lot of these things. But he said, I want to see what you do right in front of me if you can weld the bead like you need to be welding it. Not by what you say, but how it works and how it does. And are you proficient at it? Are you good at it? Are you qualified to do this? Have you got the training behind you to say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I can do this. I'm proficient at this, whatever this is. Because he calls us to do good work, but we've got to be ready to do it, be proficient in it, and to be thoroughly equipped, we've got to know what God wants us to do in his word according to what he says. Well, he wants us to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every good work simply means all things that are useful, all things that are joyful, and all things that are honorable Indeed, task and activities that God leads us to do for his glory. And so when we're called to do something for God, God says, okay, I can tell you're trained. I can tell you're ready. I can tell you're proficient in what I want you to do. And so you're ready. Let's go. And so as we do that, as we begin to do the good work that God's called us to do, it's going to be useful. It's going to be useful for the kingdom of God. It's going to bring glory to God. But also, it's going to be joyful to us. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a good time. We're going to like being in the place God's placed us to do the work that he's called us to do. Now, I didn't see it coming. I didn't know it was going to happen. I didn't set up and say, here's what I'm fixing to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I didn't plan it. I hadn't been thinking about it for weeks or months or even days. Or And that is to teach youth on Wednesday night. I didn't see that coming. But as we got children going and everything, all these other classes going, God began to say, well, how about let's doing this? Let's talk to Drew about adults and Wednesday and how about youth? And you talk about fun. We had a good time the other night. Or, or I did. I don't know if those 12 students in there did, but I did. And then we were around this big table back here and we were just going and doing and teaching and, and talking and discussing and looking at their life and you know, what what God says and, and just opening up his word and reading and, and discussing it and getting questions and, and talking back and forth. And, and here we go, and next thing I know, it's time to go. And it's enjoyable because, see, every good work that God calls us to do is going to be joyful to us. We're going to have a good time at it. It's not going to be, oh, I got those youth again Wednesday night. <laughs> what was I thinking? What? How did I get into this? Drew, would you quit and let me take that back over? You know, you know? It's going to be joyful. It's not going to be something with dread and and wish we hadn't gotten into this. It's going to be joyful because it's going to be useful for his kingdom, but it's also going to be honorable. It's going to be something that God honors, God's called, God's led, all the deeds, all the tasks, all the activities that God leads us into because it's going to always bring glory to him. Because see, disciples of Jesus that are just... We got saved somewhere back there and we became a disciple. And now we're in this discipleship process the rest of our life. Disciples of Jesus are simply committed to the Scriptures. We are saying, this is my textbook. When we open up a class, here's what we're going by. Now, children, you know, small children and other children and in the different classes, you have different uh, material you bring in, different ways of teaching. But bottom line, you're always going back here. This is our textbook. And so we're looking at disciples of Jesus. We're committed to Scripture. We're saying, bottom line, when it comes down to it, this is what's going to be taught, however it's taught.
and we're committed to it because we're saying it's true, it's real, it's alive, it's personal. Uh, we apply it to our lives. It makes us righteous, makes us holy, gets us saved, shows us how to be saved. And so, therefore, we're using it as our textbook at all times. And so we're committed to the Scriptures. And so we're qualified. We're going to be qualified. Scripture's going to qualify us to do whatever we're called to do. We're going to be proficient at it. We're going to be good at it because we're getting it from the Word. And we're going to be able to do what God calls us to do for Him at all times and all places. We're going to be proficient. We're going to be qualified because we're taking God's Word. And we're committed to it. And it simply means this, that We don't disagree with it. We don't look over here and say, well, you know, God, (laughs) this over here, uh, I don't know. That that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't sound right. Uh, I mean, I I just can't teach that. I I just can't go with that. And and God, this over here, that's just way out there. I I just, I don't know how they got in there. You know, where'd that come from? You know, was, was Isaiah really hearing from you that day or was, you know, what was he doing? And so we don't disagree with it. We don't put it out there and say, well, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. I'm not sure. This whole thing about Jonah and the fish, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. And how could a man get swallowed up by a fish big enough for him to live in his stomach three days and then throw him up on the beach? You know, it doesn't make sense. I'm not sure that's real. You see how that works? And that's out there. You know, that story, I mean, that thought, that belief is out there. Not here, <laughs> but it's out there. This this whole thing about Jonah. Maybe it's just uh, what's President Biden say a lot? Hyperbole. You know, maybe it's just maybe that's not the right term because I don't even know what hyperbole is. Do y'all? What's hyper- hyperbole mean? Hurry up, come on! All right, our president says a lot. He'll he'll say that's not hyperbole. That's true. So I need to look the word up when I get home because y'all don't know what it is either. Okay. And so, but we're not taking Scripture and saying, well, it's just an illustration. It's just, uh, it, it's really not meaning what it says. It don't take everything so literal and, you know, and all that. It's out there. And so when we're a disciple of Jesus, committed to Scripture, we're qualified, proficient to do His will, to do His work that He calls us to do every time. Therefore, disciples of Jesus are confident of God's ability to supply all of our needs through His Word. As we're going through life every single day, have you ever encountered something as you walk through life that you didn't think you would even encounter in your lifetime? And you say, whew, I didn't know that was coming. If I'd have known that was coming, I wouldn't have, you know. And then here comes something else in your life, and you just didn't realize that was going to be coming in your life. And now here it is. What do you do about it? How do you know how to handle it? Right here. And so as we're his disciple, Following Him, we have confidence in God's ability to supply all of our needs through His Word. We close out with Peter. Peter said, His divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for life. God's power, God's Word, God's Holy Spirit living in us has given us everything we need for life and life more abundantly. But not only that, it's given us everything we need for godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us in His own glory and goodness. So through His Word, we have everything we need for life, full and, full and meaningful life, but everything we need to be a godly person. We can be godly. We don't have to make up the excuse, well, I'm just not godly. You know, I'm just not there yet. Well, why aren't we? We've got everything we need to be the way God wants us to be. So as we continue our journey
the rest of our life through discipleship, through becoming more like Jesus, know that His Word is going to supply all that we need to know how to be who God wants us to be every day.